Hey guys, Walter Fetchick here to tell you that Unicorn.com may be the world's premier esports betting site, but they're also your best bet for keeping up with all the esports you love. With their site's newest update, they've reinvented their Live Now system and created a TV guide style layout to find out when your favorite teams will be playing next. And if that isn't simple enough, they've even added a search bar to help filter it down even further. And you know, even if you aren't a gambling fan, Unicorn's newest update is a must-have for any esports fan. And you might even discover your favorite new writer in their news section. We've got my man Drowling with some excellent CSGO content, and you can find some fantastic articles from my lovely co-host, Chase Wassner, as well. So check out the new layout at Unicorn.com, because there are a few places where you can stay up to date on all your favorite esports, and Unicorn can help. Unicorn.com. Welcome to the new e-sportsbook. Hello Internet, my name is Walter C80 Svedchuk and welcome to our 2017 Summer Split EU LCS Week 2 Guess the Lines podcast. Yes, we have actually played... Uh, a full week of games over in Europe. There were three days of games in week one, so there were six games. And then in week two, there are four days of games, meaning there's eight games. And I'm I'm so confused with numbers because Europe doesn't make sense. And I just really, really hate Europe's League Ops team. But that's fine. It's okay. I can hate them because I also love them because we got to watch some quality League of Legends this past weekend. And I can't think of anyone else that I'd rather discuss this with than my good friend and co-host, Chase Redshirt King Wassenaar. Chase, we got some we got some pretty uh, we got some pretty telling signs, I think, about a couple of teams here. Yeah, you know, it was a very entertaining series of games, certainly. I, I feel like the teams that we expected to step up mostly stepped up. I don't think there was any particularly shocking result that we saw, but I think the most important really really yes i predicted every single one of our winners it's on the record i did predict the fanatic to beat misfits which we'll get to in a second here but i because i think the the overall story here is not who won and who lost because i don't think there were major surprises it was the way that they won i think we saw a lot of evidence that the bottom of the standings is significantly better than we had last split. I thought that there was a lot of, of positive signs from them. I, I don't think we're going to have, you know, the same kind of, of just complete collapse from the bottom half of the standings. And I, I think that, you know, a lot of the top half of the bracket, you know, teams that we wanted to see do good things, I think they mostly showed up. So I'm, I'm very happy with how the week went as a whole, and I'm excited to see how in week two some of these matchups kind of play out as we look to see hopefully at least some upsets across the board that that is absolutely very fair well you're, you're kind of tooting your own horn by saying yeah i predicted the fanatic misfit series even though i had misfits as the second best team in europe at my uh, end season uh, prediction almost <laughs> like we have nine other weeks coming up weird weird yes nine for a 10 week season because <laughs> I don't know. Who cares? But I do care about your opinion, Chase. Uh, last split, we started doing uh, good, good teams, bad teams, good things, bad things. We're mm-hmm. just gonna call it ups and downs. Yeah. We're just, we're just gonna, we're just gonna. It's easier. So, Chase, what was your up for week one of the European LCS? So it turns out Fnatic is really good at League of Legends. Yeah, don't. I, I, I don't know if you know this, but it turns out this team is holding up quite well. Um, I, I thought the, the biggest key for me was just how well the team moved around the map. I, I felt like every rotation had a purpose. I thought it was very disciplined. I think one of our biggest criticisms of them last split was how undisciplined they could be, especially in the top lane. You know, so as you know, oftentimes would go for these big trades and kind of these individual outplays. We didn't see that so much. He waited for Broxa to come and join him. He went for those two v twos or the two v ones. They secured the warding first. You know, they had a much heavier emphasis on vision, and they utilized Soaz's greatest strength was his global usage. And I thought that, you know, they had very particular times in which they abused spikes to get towers, especially in the bot lane. I thought they used those spikes very well to snowball early towers. And just putting so much pressure on the map, 
really helps, especially when Caps is roaming as well as he was. I thought his Syndra in particular was just a monstrous, you know, Syndra. And, you know, honestly, when all these things are working together so well, it's very easy to just fall in love with this team. You know, they're not a perfect team. I, I think that there were some flaws mechanically that we saw um, when they played against the Ninjas in Pajamas. I thought Jez's in particular had some questionable positioning uh, that other teams are going to exploit. I think that their Rift Hair of Control was mediocre. I, I think some of those neutral objectives, they need to do a better job of, of warding and really making sure that they're controlling in that regard. But I think overall, uh, a team that had uh, very good tower pressure, very good kill pressure, and were absolutely in sync. And that's awesome to see. You know, so when Reddit's making the joke of like, hey, look, Reckless looked back at Caps and smiled. Clearly, everything's great. And, you know, we could overexamine those kind of personal interactions to the death, but this looks like a team that's enjoying themselves right now. And that's something we didn't always see, even when they were doing well towards the end of the split. So it's great to see. It's great to see them all in sync. And I, I can't wait to see how they continue to develop. I would say that Reckless taking that time off during the offseason, um, not going to Korea with the team, kind of getting his own head. He had a lot of, you know, really long posts where it, it read like he was very, I don't want to say depressed because I don't want to, you know, psychoanalyze him. But, yeah, kind of depressed, kind of worn out, kind of burnt out, kind of like, ah, I don't know if I want to keep doing this. And I think that ability for him to take a few weeks off, go decompress, not really have to focus on League of Legends, you come back and you watch and the team feels refreshed. The team does feel like everyone's kind of got a bounce to their step. They're kind of happy to be here. Even old crotchety man Soaz is like, yeah, I'm going to play Jarvan top lane. Like, yeah, this is going to be fun. This is going to be great. And he played pretty well. So I, I agree with all that. Uh, I'm going to say my up of the week was H2K. Um, not because they came out and right from, you know, moment one, they're, you know, curve stopping everybody and were the dominant team. But the difference that you had between them in game one and game two showed that they made an adjustment. And that's been one of our criticisms of H2K. Granted, it's against worse competition than, say, Unicorns of Love or, or G2 or, you know, some of the playoff teams. It was against Splice and the Mysterious Monkeys. But it is signs of progress that they can look at their first game in a series and go, okay, like, yeah, we won, but here are the issues. Here are the things where we kind of let it get away from us. Let's go into game two. Let's clean up some of these mistakes. So I thought that was very interesting that they were able to have such a stark contrast in game one being a little closer than it should have been. Probably being, you know, tilting more towards like a down of like, oh, man, they don't really look game. But coming into game two, cleaning everything up and saying, okay, now here's the dominant H2K win. We're just going to crush these guys. We're going to control the board. I think that this was week one. It was weaker competition. But if it can translate into some tougher competition, like as we see in week two for them uh, against the Unicorns of Love, that I think might be the final piece that H2K really needs to actually enter that championship contender position competing with G2. Because at the end of the day, any questions that we ask about any team have got to be can they beat G2? Because G2 are the kings. Absolutely. And that brings us to the downs, Chase. Because I don't know what my down is. I just hinted at it. But what's your down? Uh, okay, Misfits, we need to talk. We, we need to have a conversation here. And it needs to be frank because I put a lot of faith in you. I put my reputation on the line. And I said I thought you guys were going to be great this split. And I still believe you could be. But you have got to cut the crap. And I think it starts with the pick and ban phase. Looked like you guys knew nothing about the meta. Uh, the fact that you gave away that Galio so late in the draft for basically nothing uh, made no sense to me. I, I think that that was quite silly. I thought emphasizing the Kha'Zix felt out of date. I, I just don't like that pick as much right now as some other champions. I thought that, you know, the fact that you're still trying to make this Alfari Kennen work when we've seen multiple times on the stage, including against Fnatic, that it doesn't work. I, I don't know, man. It, it's just, it's one of those things where you, where you look at this team and it, it feels like, you know, at least in the pick and man phase, that are playing scared and they're not willing to put... Han Sama on a strength, they're like, you know, they're they're just going through like, okay, what is the most stereotypical thing they can do? And then ignoring what Fnatic is doing, ignoring the particular threat that someone like a Tristana brings, ignoring the adaptations that they were making. But, you know, even if you were to, you know, put in the best coach in, in the world right now and have perfect pick and ban, this team looks rough. And, and they look rough because of two players in particular. 
Ignar played terribly. Ignar's positioning was atrocious. I thought his timing in terms of, you know, trying to make those plays was just not there. Uh, a lot of, of bad engages, a lot of just no engages for certain stretches of the game, which is not how that team has excelled. They need him to be a playmaker. He looked very unconfident, and that is a huge red flag for them moving forward. And I think that Alfari looked just bad, just straight up bad, uh, overextending and laying terrible positioning in team fights. Uh, the guy just looked like he was three steps behind, just didn't didn't see the ganks coming didn't see uh the the plays and, and the positioning by his opponents the number of times he was taunted by the galio and the shen i mean it was just atrocious the guy had no presence whatsoever and that needs to be fixed you know he as someone it's now his second split in the lcs he cannot be making such basic mistakes he cannot be making such simple mechanical errors and if you're ignar you cannot start playing scared and, and avoiding the things that made you guys look so good. And, you know, here's the thing, right? I still like pieces of this team. I thought Power of Evil played great. I thought Asyndra was awesome. I, I saw a lot of great plays from him, a lot of good flanks from him. I, I liked Max Lore overall. I, I thought that he was solid in game one. I, I think game two, he made a couple of mistakes, but I think he was far from the problem. And I think a lot of that came from not having support from his teammates more than anything else. I just, at some point, you got to ask the question, why don't you trust Han Sama? Why don't you trust the guy that did so well for you in the Challenger series? Why are you locked into these picks that haven't worked for you rather than relying on the things that have? And we have to start thinking, right? Like, this is a team that started off so well, trailed off towards the end of the split quite hard, struggled mightily heading into the playoffs. Had, took full advantage of Splice self-combusting in that quarterfinal series. Yep. wasn't a series that you felt like they won. It was more that Splice lost in a lot of those ways. And then got blown out back-to-back -back weeks. Like, at some point, this is just a trend, and this might be just who they are. And people like me who had faith in them are going to have to accept that maybe they just don't have that second plan. Maybe they don't know what to do if they aren't able to get that bot tower, if they aren't able to play around to these, at this point, predictable rotations. And if that's the case, then I, I, I don't know. So, I, I so, don't know so, so this is why I tell you, calm down. Yeah, calm I look, down. it's one week. It's one week. Ca ca gotta... calm, calm down. Um, they're still relatively new players. Splice had a really rough first split, and even the first couple weeks of that summer split were a little rough. They still have time to figure it out. I do think there are two points that, that need to be brought up that you, you brought up and I just want to highlight. Um, Ignar. Big issue and was the one thing I said I'm really worried about Kakao leaving. Typically one Korean teams don't do very well. And we have this other problem where in Europe a lot of Koreans have complained about the the culture about there's not food that's like that like it's a it's a much harder adjustment to adjust to living in berlin germany than you know we don't hear those things coming out of uh, north american korean pros there is a you know, there's a night market there's korean and chinese and asian culture in los angeles and santa monica like we have heard these things so that is one of those things i brought up in the preseason of ignar how is he going to feel not having another korean presence with him that's really going to be something to watch. But I think this other point about Han Sama and the team not trusting him, I think comes down to the, they're still in this, oh, well, the AD carry doesn't carry meta. Like, ah, uh, lol, AD carries. It's all about the mid lane. It's all about the jungle. Twitch exists. And, and I'm telling <laughs> them, I'm telling them, look across the rift to the team that you're playing. Reckless played freaking Tristana. Tristana's not a meta AD carry. He's played Kennen. He's played Twitch. He's played... I, I don't know, Jinx, like, he is pulling out all the stops of, like, what hard carry, 80 carries can I play? Let Hansama experiment. Play Caitlyn, play Lucian, play Draven, play whatever. <sighs> they need to have some faith in this kid. He is their young star. I get you went out, you got Power of Evil, you got this really awesome, excellent mid laner. You went out, the other three guys that you have on this roster, they can be playmakers, but they aren't hard, hard carries, except Alfari on a few specific picks like Jace, which got banned out against him. But you need to trust him. The more that you tell your young guy, ah, we don't trust you. The more you tell a young quarterback, no, we're not going to throw a 30-yard fade. You're going to throw two-yard slants and hand the ball off. 
the less and less confident he's going to be that when you do ask him to do that, he's capable of doing it. You got to let him go wild. You got to start taking the lease and the reins off of him. And you got to go, Hans Sama, you were this dominant challenger carry player. Let, let's slowly start to leak this out. Let's slowly start going to the Lucian. Let's play I don't, play Jin. I don't know why North America's playing Jin, but try and play Jin. See if he can make some plays with the four shot. Start letting him come into his own as a playmaker because the more you pull back on that leash, when you finally let it go, he's going to be so used to the weight pulling him back, one of two things are going to happen. He's just going to sit there and not do anything because you've completely neutered him, or he's going to be so excited that he's just going to jet off and he's going to run off into the woods and you're going to lose him for the rest of your life. Like, your, your dog's going to go missing, basically, is what I'm saying there. So, uh, yeah, Misfits definitely have a lot of things to work out if they're going to end up second at the end of the split. Like, you predicted my down uh, a simple sentence. Uh, Rocket, G2 had three subs. Come on, dudes. Yeah, we'll get. Uh, I, I have larger thoughts. We'll get to three that. substitutes. Come on, come on. That being said, we have some games to talk about. And Chase, I can't think of a better team to start this off than the team that we just spent ten minutes psychoanalyzing. It's Misfits versus Ninjas in Pajamas. Yep. Do you have anything else you want to say about Misfits, or can we focus on NIP? Let Let's focus on NIP. I, I think that. When it, when it comes to the, you know, the pajama boys, as my mom likes to say, I, I think that we saw a lot of positive signs. I, I think that people who were worried that this team was just going to completely collapse because they had no history together have now seen that those fears were potentially unfounded. And for a team that has had very little practice time, they, they were a team that was willing to make choices. Uh, we saw them... Uh, make decisions. We saw them go for that Baron steal, for instance, in game two against Fnatic that kept them in that game way longer than they should have been. I thought that overall they played well around neutral objectives. I, I think that you saw them looking at flanks and trying to, uh, you know, keep that split pushing going. I think Profit in particular in game two looked great. In game one, he looked okay, but game two was really when we saw him come into his own. I think Nogne looked awesome. I, I thought that he was by far the best player on the team. Uh, I, I thought that, you know, the Galio ult usage in game one, the way that he, you know, really, um, you know, made a lot of that mid game and, and kept them, uh, you know, from just having fanatic snowball all over them uh, was quite nice. I obviously uh, those are, you know, the Korean players that we had more faith in than the rest of the team. Uh, Shook is incredibly predictable. And that's a problem. I think that he Q is not really better at you know at, at a lot of things outside of being a cc pot that's basically who he is and cc bots as we've seen from guys like keith that's it's a very temperamental way to go and, and he often was caught out in positioning and when your ad carry is the first guy to fall in a fight there's not a lot you're gonna do and spraddle didn't really do anything to impress me either so is this team going to be Competitive, I think absolutely by the end of the split, you know, when they have more practice under the belt, more understanding of what peaks they should be going for, a better idea of how to best play around their solo laners, I think they're going to look solid. Probably not better than, you know, the fifth place spot in their group. I, I think that the rest of the teams there are better, but they'll be competitive. They'll take a couple series that you would won't expect them to. I just, you know, right now, I, I think they're going to need more time. I think there were a lot of parts that were clearly very raw from a decision-making perspective, and I think they will improve, but not enough for me to like them in this series. Uh, yeah, the three European players I thought were pretty poor. I <laughs> thought Shook had his moments, but this is Shook. At the beginning of every split that he's played, he has some moments, and he'll have a couple of games where he will pop off, and he'll go, oh yeah, like, yeah, Shook's a really good jungler. And then probably about week four or five, he'll just completely go downhill, he'll forget how to play the game, everyone will have figured out his jungle pathing, and he'll absolutely collapse and we might be hearing ninjas and pajamas like looking for a substitute to try and come in and play um overall i agree nagne was the the best player on the ninjas and pajamas i thought profit looked excruciatingly raw for someone that has been in the skt system and played nine games in the lck he looked really really raw and against Soaz, like, yeah, he built up some massive leads, but that's kind of Soaz's thing. It's like, yeah, I'll kind of concede the laning phase. I'll let you get whatever farm you want. I care more about, like, rotating around and, and team play. And um, I thought there were some moments where Prophet was really intelligent on his engages, especially when he was playing Jarvan in game uh, 
in game two. I thought his rumble ults left a little to be desired. Like, he's a raw player. Raw prospect. Needs more time. I agree. I don't think this team is any better than the fifth place team in their group. And like you said, maybe they surprise one or two teams. Um, but this team has three, you know, bottom three European players in each one of their positions. And they honestly might have the worst support. Sproddle's bad. It's not good. He's really bad at League of Legends. It's not it's ideal. sad. I, I think that combining him with EQ is a recipe for disaster. And I think that that's a lane we're going to see more teams punish as this goes on. Yep. Uh, I do want to say, though, shout out to Profit for hitting the Flame Horizon. It was by far the best a top laner looked against Soaz this weekend, which isn't saying much given how bad Alfari looked, but that's not irrelevant. I, I think that if they keep him away from Rumble and put him on more carry-oriented top laners, we might see Profit begin to shine a little bit more. But uh, we'll see if they use him. Uh, you know, obviously that's going to come down to uh, Team Synergy and Nico the Pico actually knowing how to draft. So probably not. But we'll <laughs> see. Fingers crossed. Oh, man, Europe has some really bad coaches. Chase! <laughs> in the battle of bad coaches, where do you have the line? I have misfits at minus 400. They should still be okay. favorites here pretty happily. Uh, you are, in fact, correct. You are going to get this one. I said misfits at minus 200. It is Misfits at minus 333. Fair. Uh, NIP are plus 240 underdogs. Yeah, no. I, I think I'm all right. What's the bet for three maps? Uh, stalling for time, stalling for time, stalling for time, stalling for time. Stalling for time, <laughs> stalling for time. Uh, three maps is plus 120. Plus 120. Okay. We might come back to that. I don't think uh, Misfits are going to blow out anybody anytime soon. That's just not That's how they're looking as a team. fair, but... We'll see. Maybe there's more value. Let's see if there's Maybe. more value elsewhere. Maybe. Our next match. This... Ah, man. This, there's two really, really good matches this week. Like, exceptionally good matches. I'm not sure if this one's the match of the week or the other one, but G2 versus Fnatic. Oh, yeah. Grudge match from the uh, from the European semifinals. A refreshed Reckless against a G2 team that we... I don't know if, if they... If we know who... Uh, if we know who's starting it for them. Well, I'll check I, this. I believe that Expect and Trick should be back. When they originally made the press release, they mentioned specifically that Sendu and... Uh, uh, and, and Blanc... Block is still the listed starter on LOL Esports. Yeah, they haven't updated that. I, I am very. Does it matter? Does it actually confident. matter? Yes, it absolutely matters. But I, I mean, I'm very confident that Trick and, and uh, Expect are coming back. I don't think that they would allow them to take a vacation for two weeks into the regular season, especially when they're playing a team as good as Fnatic is. So I'm. I'm confident in seeing G2 come back to full strength, and I honestly can't wait to see it because this team, I, I thought, took an extra step forward at MSI. I thought that, you know, we saw a team that at first really was struggling because they didn't have that early game. They didn't have that extra gear that they could turn around and kind of, you know, snowball some laning advantages. And it's very hard when you're playing against the best teams in the world to have a system that relies on your opponents making mistakes. Uh, and I think that against Fnatic, that's something that they cannot rely upon either. Fnatic has shown, like I said earlier, that deliberate choice in their positioning and, and where they're picking to have these skirmishes uh, in a way that I've been rather impressed with as a whole. And so a G2, I, I think, needs to continue that lesson that they learned at MSI and continue to keep that early pressure because when they have that, it's so great to see the weapons on their team. Uh, it's great to see Perks be this guy who has been so much more confident, uh, you know, in his roams, uh, desperately uh, thrives, I, I would say, um, when he's given those opportunities. And I think that expect his global usage has been great. I, I think that his laning has significantly improved as well. I, I think that they're an incredibly strong team across the board. And we know how much better Trick looks in regional play than he does in international play. So that's obviously going to be a factor the question honestly comes down to I, I think how much caps can be that hard carry if caps can keep perks down if caps can get that landing advantage if he's the one that's dictating the pace of the game with his early roams with his uh, ability to snowball that top lane for so as or to snowball the bot lane and get reckless some early kills on the usual scaling champions that he is now playing 
I, I think that could be massive. I, I think that that's something that could give Fnatic that extra edge. But they're going to have to do it against Sven, and they're going to have to do it against Perks, and they're going to have to do it against Trick. And so many you know, parts of that G2 system are built to inhibit teams from doing exactly that, to prevent them from getting those bot lane leads. And you know for a fact that Trick's going to be trying to do the same thing in getting Sven ahead as, as Fnatic is to try to get Reckless ahead. And I don't think that there's such a, there's, you know, this huge mechanical gap that's going to keep Sven or Reckless apart. I think they're the best 280 carries in the league. And I think right now, at least, uh, it's by a large enough margin that, I honestly can't just, I just can't wait to see how the lane plays out. I think it's going to be really fun. I think it's going to be a, a, a really just tough back and forth match where they're going to be fighting sometimes for every CS and those small little trade advantages, you know, just to get that extra auto attack or two to force the enemy to go back to base a little bit earlier. Those little things are going to add up. And I just, I just can't wait to see it. I think this is, this is to me the match of the week uh, because I want to see how good this Fnatic team really is. They look a lot better than they have at any point in the last two years. Um, you know, going back to, uh, well, not, not two years, because that doesn't include, I don't want to include the 2015 summer split. Since the beginning of 2016, this is by far the best that they've looked. And I want to see if they can continue that momentum and get back to the powerhouse that they were in 2015 and in the era before that. So I can't wait. This is going to be a lot of fun. I mean, yeah, this is this is going to be a fun series, especially if all of G2 are back. Uh, I think if you have any substitute, it kind of diminishes this because that's G2 can just be like, well, you know, it's early on in the season. We had a sub, whatever. Like, it probably means way more to Fnatic to win just against G2, period. It's a psychological advantage. It's trying to get that, you know, that tiebreaker or that tie for, you know, later on if they, if they do have a similar record. Um... I agree. This is definitely G2 showed, like, yeah, we're going to play through Zven. Misfits, right here. You want to watch another team that plays through their AD carry. G2, right here. I thought the three subs performed admirably last uh, last week against Rocket. Again, Blank's competition. good. Blank was really solid. But, you know, G2, that series was 1,000% about let's make Zven the star. And he has not been the star on this team since probably middle to early of last summer. Um, he wasn't in the spring. He wasn't the star player. It was perks. It was trick. It was expect. You sort of forgot that Sven and Mithy were on this team because Mithy was playing so poorly. So I think this is really big for uh, for Sven and Mithy to continue to show, yeah, we, we can be the lane that they're going to focus on. We can be the dominant members of this team if we need to. Uh, and that's really what makes G2, I think, so dangerous in Europe is that they can play through all of their lanes now and, and the spring really showed they can play through expect. Fnatic, I, I think, is a little bit weaker just because I don't trust that they can play through Soaz. I don't trust that they can play through Broxa. I think they've proven they can play through Reckless and, and Jezzes in the bot lane. I think they've proven they can play through Caps, but there still does seem to be this slight weakness on the upper half of the map. Broxa mainly just because he's young. He's still, you know, he's still getting his feet wet. He's still really learning the rigors of being an LCS jungle and now needs to take that next step into how do I exploit the knowledge that I have about my opposing jungler, about their jungle pass. When do I invade? He's shown some promise at it, um, but I don't think he's quite to a level that a trick is yet, or, or a Xerxes, if we're going to talk about, you know, upper level uh, junglers in Europe. And, and so as I think is just, it's the tail end of his career. I don't think we can ask him to be very much more than what he has been, you know, the past spring. I think we've kind of reached, this is where so as is in his career. And, uh, and, you know, maybe week three or four, they, they go on a couple game losing streak and we might see the return of Kikis. One can only hope. I mean, let's be clear. Soaz played great in week one. He did. I, I think that... He played great, you know, yeah. It's just one of those things where we've seen Soaz's career long enough to know that he's not going to have thirteen, you know, nine weeks and 13 series of clean play. That's just not what he does. Uh, he's going to have a couple games where he overextends. He's going to have a couple games where he gets tilted in lane early and you can see it affect the rest of his play. It's just who so as has been throughout his entire career. Uh, I think right now the bright spots are outshining those weaknesses. And I, I think that, you know, if, if I'm fanatic, I don't touch anything uh, unless I absolutely have to or until things go desperately off rails. But right now, ride this momentum, man. This team looks good. This is going to be a close series. I'm really, really excited to see it. So, uh, so Chase. Where do you think the line is then, if you think it's such a close series? I think it's G2 minus 150. you got to give a little bit of a bump to the uh, to the three-time defending champs. 
Well, I agreed with you. I said G2 minus 150. Uh, the casino does not agree with us. It's G2 minus 238. Uh... Don't, don't, uh... This three-time European champion. Second place runner-up at MSI. They went on a 400-day unbeaten streak. Like, what, what's they Fnatic built the underdog algorithm. odds? Uh, Fnatic at plus 175. Okay. They built into the algorithm. We're the best team in Europe by far. This doesn't sure. surprise me. It should be closer just because of how well Fnatic played, I think, in week one. But this doesn't. This isn't a, a, a surprise. Like, oh, my God, I didn't see it coming. Look, if they want to give Fnatic plus 175, I'll take that. That's... That's something I, I I like that. I think that's value. I think Fnatic wins this series more than the 35% of the time that that line would imply. I, I like this Fnatic team. I like the way they're playing right now. And we are going to have a couple guys that have just come back from vacation. I don't know how much League they've been playing. Might take a week. Might take a little bit to warm up. This G2 team is really good at League of Legends. Don't be, let's be clear. They should be the favorites. But a plus 175? That's worth a flyer. I think that's th that happens more often than people would indicate. Okay, that's fine. You don't want to bet against D2, that's fine. I, I understand. No. I, I don't We've learned, Chase. Don't 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 bet against SKT and G2 has established themselves as the SKT of Europe. Let's You're be not real wrong. here. Let's You're be not real wrong. here. Betting against G2 is very scary to me. That's fair. I really I, don't like doing it. I, I'm going to watch Trick at like 80% of the jungle in game one and get terrified. Yeah, you're going to get, yeah. Exactly. Not a problem. Let, let's, let's move on. Before I, before I talk myself into this, let's uh, move on. Vitality versus Splice. Yeah. Splice has entered Vitality zone. I don't want to talk about either team. I'm sorry, Marty. I just don't want to talk about either one of these teams. They're boring. Yeah. Uh, really Got to say, Marty... Love you, man. Friend of the pod. Uh, got a little salty this week, man. Uh, banning, you know, an blocking analysts on Twitter and telling them that you're blocking them on Twitter because they made one of the obvious jokes that a guy like that makes about 100 times. What that tells me is that you're at a point where you're nervous enough and frustrated enough with this team that you're going to snap at something that was innocuous for the, you know, and not even directed at you. That's, that's not a great look. It really tells me that there's not necessarily the same confidence that sticking with this is going to pay off as as he had and as he expressed at the beginning of the year when we when he talked about having patience with the process and, and believing that these guys are going to develop. This team looks like a team that is not confident at all. Yeah. They look like a team that is stressed out. It looks like a team that is playing so defensively, they're just terrified of making a mistake. And you can't play scared. Certainly against H2K, you can't play scared. Because H2K is another team that loves getting those skirmishes, and they're much more aggressive about it. And they, Splice just let them dictate the entire pace of the series. You can't do that. You can't do that, Splice. And you're gonna lose that way every time. Um, as for Vitality, uh, shout out to my boy Vander. Uh, you made the early game for that team significantly better. I thought his roams early were on point. I thought the early vision was solid. I thought he and Joko looked like a great team. I think they're going to have some great three-man roams to the mid and top lane. Unfortunately, Vitality have no idea what to do after that point, and Nuke Duck is not a good League of Legends player. So it's not going to matter, but shout out to Vitality. I thought your early game did improve. I want to acknowledge that. Uh, it's just unfortunate that nothing else about your team did. I got. I got to say, um, wonder. I appreciate the ballsiness of the Akali pick, but Akali blind. Come so on, man. Optimal. <laughs> I just. I, yeah. West Rice wouldn't even do that, and it West would... Rice is the Akali OG god, and he wouldn't even pick it blind. And I know some some listener out there is gonna be like. Actually, Walter, in this one tournament, he actually did pick it blind, so you're an idiot. And I'm like, yeah, but you know what? I don't have every single tournament listed out in front of me with every single one of the blind picks. So, when, yeah. when was Akali last played? Like, let, let's face it. Like, this is a pocket pick right now, and it's cool to have pocket picks, but you don't pick pocket picks blind. Froggen doesn't insta-lock Anivia. Actually, he does. He does. I mean, not usually he waits until he at least has a good idea of the enemy composition. That Akali was locked in 
too early. I dis I disliked the pick in that against that particular composition. And guess what? It snowballed against him hard, and they lost the game, and he had no comeback mechanic because Akali can't come back if you lose the early game. So, so I mean, um, whatever, man. It, it's been like almost exclusively like a European and Chinese pick over the past over like 2017. Mm. Uh, it was played in OPL in the Spring Two promotion by Pradith of Tainted Minds, and it was a loss. Uh, but other than that, it's been played uh, in the European Summer Qualifiers, European Summer Promotion, LSPL Spring, the Summer Playoffs by Kikis, uh, and the LPL and the LSPL. And one game in Brazil, way back in January. So, mostly wildcard regions and challenger leagues. Great. Uh, I mean, there's a couple. There's a couple LPL and LCS games in there. Yeah, L- L- LPL, anything goes. It I'm, hasn't I'm sorry. Been played, I, I really just. It uh, hasn't been played in North America or Korea since 2014. I yeah. Or internationally since 2014. I I have no reason to believe, given the way that Splice was playing and given the team that they're going up against, you cannot be so disrespectful to the best early game team in the league. They have Yankos on the other side. Come on. Say what you will about the rest of the game, but H2K's early game? Yankos is the most dangerous snowballing threat coming out of the jungle in the league. Early game is his best part of the game, and you're playing something that has a giant target on your back? Like, oh, Come by the kill way, me. Yeah, if you kill me, then I'm just going to be screwed for the rest of this game? Come on. How dare you? I, it was disrespectful. I disliked it. Yeah. Just This, this is not a team that looks like... They, they look like a... Like a shell of themselves and, and the team that just has completely lost faith that this is going to turn around for them. And so, I'm losing faith in it, too. So, Chase, where do you where do you think the line is on this? We spent way too long talking about these two teams. Look, I, I'd splice at minus 130. I, I think that they're the better team, but I don't see why they should be heavy favorites against anybody. Well, much like Wonder, you're an idiot. I had oh. splice at minus 160. It is, in fact, splice at minus 192. Okay. Which puts Vitality at plus 145. That is kind of, uh, there's a little interest there. There's a little interest. Yeah, we might come back to that. I, I uh, think that in particular, Vitality's early game is superior. And I don't think that Splice of Solo Laners scare me. Um, I, I, for, you know, Nuke Duck isn't good, but is Senkux good? Like, I, I'm not confident in that. I, I don't think that he's so good that. Nuke Duck is going to be the same liability that he is against most of the league. We might come back to that. Three three maps there is plus 105. Oh, okay. That's probably that's much really, safer. Really safe line. Uh, next up, the Serious Monkeys versus Unicorns of Love. Um, one of these teams is really, really good at like, League of Legends. And the other one reminds me of a very early Unicorns of Love minus the, uh, minus the pocket picks. Minus the copyright infringement on the Gorillas logo? Which I love that someone finally pointed it out. It is very close. I knew I like I, I didn't want to say anything when we did our original preview because calling people out for plagiarism is not something that uh, you want to do lately. But the the evidence is is very difficult to refute at this point. So not a great look by an organization that is trying to make a statement for themselves on the you know this giant stage. But you know. I think it is worth pointing out that while Jisoo looked really bad in lane and while I, I think that Cost Q is a disaster, I mean, I, I don't think that series could have gone worse for him. That was, it was really bad. And then there were engages that were just absolutely unacceptable where he's going in on his own into like four of the enemy team. I, I, I have no explanation for some of his LeBlanc. It's far too aggressive. Bad bad instincts, bad decision-making, bad mechanics, just bad. That's a problem. He, he might be one of the three worst players in the league right now. Um, but Yuki looks great. Shout-out to Yuki. I thought his flanks, especially in game one, were incredibly strong. I, I thought that he kept that team in games a lot longer than they should have been. And, and in game one in particular, they punished a lot of H2K missteps. And that tells me that they at least are doing enough that they can be in a position to you know, remain competitive in games and, and take advantage of those little openings. They're just not able to make any because I don't think their solo laners have anything going for them. It was really, really right. I, I cannot overstress how bad Koski is. It was, 
it was the most obvious terrible performance of the week in my eyes. It's uh, I I don't think that's gonna work well against Exile. I have Unicorns of Love in minus a thousand. Um, well, so if you're a longtime watcher of the show, you know that Walter hates really high lines and always undersells them because he goes, "Ah, oh, yeah, Casino's not gonna go that high." Yeah, that Walter's back. Uh, I had Unicorns of Love at minus four fifty. Chase. Even you, in your highline glory, were too low. <laughs> by almost 50%. Uh, it's Unicorns of Love at minus 1,428. It makes Mysterious Monkeys at plus 650 underdogs. Yeah, um, I think I can pass on that underdog value. But then, for the record, uh, exponential scaling when it comes to uh, the decimal odds that Unicorn loses means that I was not all that far off. But yeah, uh, that's where the line should be. Unicorns of Love are a very good League of Legends team. Mysterious Monkeys are, are not. Let's move on. Yep. I got nothing else to say. Uh, Misfits versus Rockat. We already we, we beat in the bunny dead. We beat the bunny dead. Chase, mm. I got to call out Rockat. The floor is yours, Mammy. Okay. So let's start with the good. Uh, game one, they did win for a reason. I, I for thought a that reason. Wadid looked solid. Yep. I, I like his development. Yep. I, I, I think his recon was a little bit too passive for me, but I thought his other games were quite nice. I thought that Hjarnin looked surprisingly solid, uh, despite playing against Sven, who is one of the two best AD carries in the league. Yep. No matter you know no matter what you think of that argument against Reckless, like he's still super good. I thought his Zaya looked great. I, I thought that he held his own. On Caitlyn, I, I thought that, you know, he he put himself in a position where that lane could have succeeded. I don't know what to do about this jungle mid synergy. It's terrible. Pride Stalker looks as bad as I was afraid of. I understand it's one week. It's one week, and it was Pride Stalker's first week. Three subs though. Three subs. When you're going up against three subs, you should have more synergy than the team with three subs. How is it that Lulex and Blank were more in tune than Pride Stalker and Betsy? That is unacceptable. It is absolutely, thoroughly unacceptable. It, that's how they lost games two and three. Like Sven was the guy who cleaned up at the end of those fights. But the reason that they were able to clean up all those fights is because of how hard Blank and Lulex were able to snowball those mid lane. It, it was atrocious. I thought Pride Stalker's pathing in particular was just bad. I thought he got counter jungled super hard, had no defense for it, incredibly passive for the the majority of the games. I, I don't know how you play Elise and not gank once in the early game in two games in a row. I think that's unacceptable. Um, guy's way too defensive. And Betsy is a guy that we've seen really thrives when he has someone like Maxlor who can try to get him ahead. He needs some help getting those lanes ahead. And Betsy has shown that with a lead, he can be a great player here. I mean, the guy looked absolutely lost. And I'm not going to blame Pride Soccer for all of that. I think there were some key positioning errors that he made. I, I thought his mechanics, he looked rusty. Uh, he looked like a guy that was kind of almost overwhelmed at times and, and making very silly mistakes. So it's certainly not all Pride Stalker's fault, but I, I, how do you not gank in the first 10 minutes of the game with Elise in back-to-back -back games? It's like the one thing Elise does. You have this cocoon thing. I don't know if you know this, Pride Stalker, but you have this hard CC that most opponents can't dodge, especially when their flash is down, which he had multiple opportunities to gank lanes with down flashes. He didn't do it. He just power farmed and then he got killed there. I that's, that's G, the thing. G2's We're, problem in game one, they didn't have a secondary playmaker. They didn't yeah. have someone that could go out. They went all in on this let us protect Zven. They didn't have like Rumble deals a lot of damage, but he has to hit his ult and it's like spiked. It spikes up at like level six through nine and then it kind of starts to trail off. Like their mid laner was on Karma. Karma, sure, we've seen some crazy kills with Karma and some crazy plays from like experts with her in the past, but she's not a hard carry. She's not a playmaker. The second you put Blanc on a playmaker, it was over. You put it on Oriana. Oriana, again, semi-protective, but you can throw out an ult and have Shockwave and you can make plays. And that was really game two. And then game three, they put him on the Fizz. Like, G2's they, a better team. Yeah, they but they're better prepped. 
three subs, yep. no practice. Two of them flow in the night before it started. Yep. Unacceptable. Unacceptable. You cannot say like, oh yeah, they were, you know, I, I know LS made this point about like, oh yeah, well this was just the more talented team. First of all, I, I don't know that we have that much evidence that says that Blank is a better mechanical player than Betsy when you look at their best games. I don't think you point to game one and say, oh, yeah, Rocket won that because they were these, these strategic masterminds, not because they had some mechanical outplays in a couple lanes where it mattered. But, I mean, man, oh, man, if you're going to play so passively and give you know the enemy team all this time, I mean, the plays that Lulex did, they were choreographed. It's mm -hmm. it's like Lulex is a guy, they, they made a joke like he's the pathing god. He is a textbook player. He knows exactly where he should be for the optimal routes. It makes him predictable, but it makes him solid, and it makes him reliable. And they did nothing to exploit it. They did nothing to take advantage of it. They looked completely lost when ganks that you could see from a mile away came through. Unacceptable. I, I, I cannot stress enough just how raw Pride Stalker looks. And if they're not able to turn this around quickly, I mean, look, Rocket went on a great surge late season, and maybe they'll figure it out, and maybe Pride Stalker will get more confident. Maybe that gets Betsy going again. Like, I'm not going to say that this is over for them, but I don't know how long it's going to take to get Pride Stalker ready. This is not a guy like Maxlor where we could point to, like, hey, he looked good with Knight, he just hasn't gelled with the team yet. We haven't seen Pride Stalker look great, ever. Uh, yeah, he looked Challenger, really. He, he looked okay. pretty good on Misfits Academy. Let he us not fine. pull punches here. He looked pretty good. I thought he was okay. I was less high on him than some other people. I, I thought in particular he was very narrowed in on one or two champions, and I didn't see the breadth there. And I certainly didn't see it this week. I'm call me a hater if you want. I, I don't. I haven't seen enough from Pride Stalker to tell me that he should be an LCS jungler. I'll put it this way: uh, I was jealous that G2 had Lulex in that series. That's that's where I am. I would much rather. This is why you can't call Chase a true Rocket fanboy, and why I, the team what? will never allow him to hashtag hold, set the rules. Hold up. No. Being no. a true fan no. means no. criticizing your team. I love Rocket. I love him so much. I want him to improve. So when I point these things out, I do it out of love. I do it because I want them to listen to it and hear what I have to say, and hopefully take that and make themselves that's better. That's not fandom. Fandom is blind love for the team, no matter Don't, what happens. How dare nope, you? You're wrong. You're absolutely wrong. Where do you see the line on this? I have Misfits at minus two forty. I thought the line was going to be down lower because Misfits really wasn't good. I mean, I thought it was going to be even lower. You're going to take this. I said Misfits at minus 175. Uh, it's Misfits minus 357 with Rock at it plus 250 underdog. Okay. What's I'm, three maps? I'm uh, not sure I care. Ah, I'm fine. not sure okay. I care about this series. Uh, plus 125. Yeah. Okay, that's not quite enough value for me. But, <laughs> it's not, not yeah, I mean... I'm I'm much more willing to believe that Misfits is going to put things together uh, than I am to believe that Rocket's got what it takes right now. I, I think Pride Soccer is going to take time. I don't know how much time. Yeah. I hope he figures it out sooner rather than later. But Rocket fans, if you're like me, we got to give him time. If that's not... the case, Misfits 2-0 is at plus 100. Uh, that's, I, I, I'm not against that. I'm just, just pointing I'm, that out. I am not against that. We'll come back. I'm just pointing that out there. Uh, I need to get the next... I, 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 I'm still in this. I'll put it this way. I'm still in this, but I want to burn through these real quick. Uh, NIP versus G2. Samurai versus Ninja. Samurai always win. I think that's what that comes down to. I think they certainly do in this series. I had G2 minus 1,000, and that's uh, probably too low. Uh, yeah, it was. It was. Uh, it was over fifty percent too low. I had G two at minus five hundred. Um, it was. Uh, it was G two minus one thousand six hundred sixty seven. NIP plus seven hundred underdogs. Uh, with that, Chase will take the week. Yay! There we go. I'm up two one in our challenge now. Yes, I have are. retaken the lead, and I don't plan on letting go of it anytime soon. I mean, I'll, I'll wish you good luck with that, uh, much like I'll be wishing NIP good luck with this series. Um, yeah, I can't wait to watch this VOD at two times speed and just get it over with. Uh, that being said, I can't wait to get this next series over with as well. Splice versus Mysterious Monkeys. <sighs> Look, man. 
Mysterious monkeys are going to try to make plays, so that means I'm going to be rooting for them in the series. Okay. I, I, I think Splice's way of playing is just not particularly fun. It's going to win here because I think Mysterious monkeys make mistakes. I think particularly the top half of the map. I don't see how Jisoo deals with, uh, with Alfari, you, you know, for, uh, or, uh, sorry, Wonder is what I meant to say. Yeah. Wonder's just too good in lane. Uh, I think that Wonder should be able to bully him quite hard, and I think the cost queue, say what you will about Senkux, but he's he's not costume. Yeah, so that's going to be a problem for them. Yeah. I have Splice at minus 320. It's probably a little low. Uh, it is actually a little low. I had Splice at minus 200. It is Splice at minus 434. Uh, Mysterious Monkeys are plus 290 underdogs. Yeah, that sounds about right. That Yeah, that sounds that sounds really, really fair. Uh, and then my, my match of the week, my series of the week, <laughs> the Unicorns of Love versus H2K. Oh, baby. Both of them had some issues in the early game, um, in, in game one of their series last week. Both of them cleaned it up. Unicorns of Love only died once all game in game one. What are you talking about? Oh, was it game two? Am I mis- am I They won both game games one? in under 30 minutes. I, I, yeah, but they're, I but disagree they get, with you. They didn't get first blood in one sure. of them. Yeah. I don't think they okay. got first blood in either of them, actually. No, they didn't. No. Yeah, uh, look, so... Vitality in the yeah. early game, if you want to penalize Unicorns of Love in game one, Vitality got first blood, first dragon, for, uh, first tower, and yeah. Rift Herald. There we go. That's and what I'm remembering. What? It didn't matter. They it still didn't wanted matter. I because Unicorns of Love were monsters. Listen, love... I'm trying to transition. I'm trying to create a parallel between the two teams to make the series <laughs> seem closer than it probably actually is. Chase, let me do my job as host. You can tell no. me I'm wrong, but just let me finish the sentence. No, I'm gonna sabotage this. I'm gonna I'm gonna bring you down. No, no, no. Listen, me. you are not allowed to say anything good about the unicorns of love because you had misfits over them in the predictions. You are off the rainbow. You're not allowed into the pot of gold. You aren't allowed to ride the unicorn. You have been banished to the corner. Okay? You need to work your way back into the brotherhood that is the fans of the unicorn of love. So wow. start here. Tell me why wow. they're gonna two O H two K. I, I would like to stress that I had Unicorns of Love third. It's not like I had them ten. You didn't have them in the now. championship. That's all that matters. But look, I, I think this Unicorns of Love team is really good. I thought Visitachi and Exile had dominant laning leads. Uh, Exile in particular, that LeBlanc game in game two was just dirty. Uh, I, I thought that uh, Xerxes' Zack in uh, game two was so good. That champion's oh so stupid. I mean, yeah, it, it's a it's stupid so champion, stupid. and it should be bad. They're going to have to uh, make some tweaks to the damage ratios and a lot of other things. Uh, I'm not a particular fan of a lot of things that Riot's doing right now. I'm really upset with the Rek'Sai changes. I will, that's, that's a rant for another day. But look, that that's the champion as it exists, and Xerxes played it as well as you can. I, I think that you know, even Samix, like, this is one of those things where people always say, like, oh, well, Samix is kind of this weak link, right? Didn't look like it Listen, this week. I can't wait until they get to play Zion Rakan. <sighs> I, I have a feeling that they've been, like, practicing it on some super secret Smurf account over on, like, Nordic, on EU, like, Nordic East. And mm -hmm. they're just waiting for someone to let it through, and they're just going to insta-lock it, and it's going to be amazing. I'm, I'm so excited. I can't wait. I thought their synergy was great. And I yep. look, I, I got to give Hillisang some props. I've been hard on him recently. Look at I thought that. This was, it's, look, the, look the bar was, was awesome. Um, I the really Braum. enjoyed seeing um, seeing the way he played. Yeah. I really enjoyed that. Um, I, I thought that, you know, overall, I, I think that this Unicorns of Love team is a very good League of Legends team. And they looked like a team that really benefited from the... Uh, you know, from this boot camp, we've seen a lot of teams struggle um, to to really make the most of those opportunities. I don't know why I thought the Hillsang played Bard. I apologize. I just looked that up. I had bad memory on my part. Doesn't matter. His he was really good. He made his uh, Braum plays. He made his Thresh plays. The guy's really good at playmaker. He died once. Uh, yeah, died once. I mean, Xerxes didn't die at all. I, I like. This team was just so much cleaner than we're used to from Unicorns of Love. We're used to them saying, like, look, we're willing to make tempo plays. If that means a three for two trade, if we get a tower out of that, that's worth it. If it's a four for three, we don't care. It's worth it. What are, they, what, what are teams supposed to do if they're still skirmishing, if they're still being aggressive, and they're not seeding <laughs> any deaths? That's absurd. They're that's basically playing with five Medioses. Yeah. God, it was so nice to see. And, and for the record, this is not to say that H2K is not doing well as well. I thought games two for both of them 
uh, in both of their series were quite nice. Uh, when when you see the 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 world in which we now live, which is Lucian being flexed to AD carry, that somehow caught the monkeys completely off guard. I, I thought that uh, Oduamne, uh, you know, baited some some dives very well. I, I thought that Yankos capitalized on a lot of that. This team, when they're snowballing in game and in a game, just they're monstrous. Uh, they carry leads around the map very well. Game one for both of those series was sloppy. Uh, very big positioning mistakes, especially from Yankos. It really does feel like the difference between a, a win and a loss for them is going to come down to how well Yankos is able to carry the early game. And that's something that I am genuinely concerned about. I, I think that, you know, it, we, we have to give them credit for the fact that the machine bounced back, right? You know, they did get those towers. They did eventually manipulate the waves in their favor. They did keep that pressure up so that even if they weren't getting the kills that they wanted to or taking things as efficiently as they'd want to, they were still very much relevant throughout the series. But there is a machine here, and Unicorns of Love are one of the most creative teams in the league. And if nothing else, I believe that they've spent a lot of time looking at this H2K team and trying to figure out how they can throw Yankos and company off their game, and they did it twice last split. Yeah. So I, I really like them in this series. I, I think that they're going to do quite well. And I'm I'm confident that they should be able to come away with a win here. So Chase, they were tied in the outrights for likelihood to win the group. Unicorns Love were just barely ahead of H2K when it came to the outright to win Europe. So how much are H2K favored in this series? Yeah, I, this is the problem, which is that I, even though I think Unicorns of Love are the favorites and should be the favorites, I think that the casinos, for whatever reason, have a really hard time getting behind this Unicorns of Love team. So I at H2K is very light favorites, minus 125. That's not because I think that H2K are the better team. That's just where I think the casinos have it. Well, Chase, <clears throat> uh, I also said H2K at minus 125. And uh, as the great Willy Wonka said, you bumped into the ceiling, which now has to be washed and sterilized. You get nothing, you lose. Good day, sir. The Unicorn Sportsbook has finally embraced the rainbow. Woo Unicorns of love at minus 129. We, we did it, boys. We're here. It's finally done. We're taking the glass elevator out to see the rest of the world and to tour the rest of the factory. Hallelujah. They finally have accepted that the Unicorns of Love are the second best team in Europe. I am so excited by that. Even though neither of us get a point and we were wrong and we're idiots. Um, yeah, Unicorns of Love at minus 129. I, I don't think we were idiots. I, I mean, that line is still very clearly closer we're, than it. We're a bunch of stupid idiots. Let's Where, where's the H2K line for the underdog? Uh, H2K underline do, uh, underdog line is at plus 100. Oh, it's even okay. Yes. Um, we're going to make that uh, minus 129 a smart money bet, right? Uh, like, that, yeah. that comes quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I really like uh, I really like H2K in this series. Uh, not enough that I want to take them at minus one and a half because I think the H2K is good, but Unicorns of Love have have shown now twice in the two series that they played against them this year that they know how to throw a wrench in the works, and I think that we saw from H2K they are vulnerable to that. So I, I think that's something we have to do. For, for, for our UL fans that think this is a TOO, it's a plus 220. Not quite high enough for me, but that is value. I, I think that I think that's possible. I think that's more possible than H2K winning this series. Yeah, I, I think, think H2K are very are, are, have a very tough matchup against Unicorns of Love because Unicorns of Love are just so much more versatile. Um, I mean, you you know that I like the idea of uh, three maps for Misfits and NIP because I don't think Misfits are. Yep, I agree with that. I agree with that. Plus one twenty on that. Um. It's not, not a whole lot of value in other places. I, um... What about Fnatic G2 to go... My instinct is to say Fnatic at plus 175. I think that happens 45% of the time. And I think that 45%, we're getting value on plus 175. Three maps for that is at plus 110. Oh, okay. Yeah, three maps plus 110 for that. Okay. 
I'd much rather take that than actually gambling on G2 to, to outright lose to Fnatic. That's fair. Um, if, if listeners at home, we, I think we introduced the idea of the chase seal of approval uh, last week. Yep. I'm going to say if you really like Fnatic, and I happen to like Fnatic quite a bit, I think plus 175 is a solid bet. I will give that my seal. But I think if we're going to be smart money, G2 going, and Fnatic going to three maps is, is very... You're at the sixth! I, sure. I'm sorry. At the sixth. It's almost like I predicted what's going to happen at the end of the split and not week one. Isn't that weird that for my full season prediction, I expected an arc that would take a full season? Weird. Weird. Look. No, you just predicted them. No. No. Look. No. You know what? All of a sudden hopping on this Fnatic bandwagon like, oh yeah, Fnatic's so good. They're I so, am allowed so good. to acknowledge the products that I am seeing on the Rift and make adjustments accordingly. It's okay. If I have to go back when we do our rewind episode at the end of summer and I have to say that I was wrong, I'm willing to do it. I've done it before. Right now, I'm still lay I'm keeping the faith that these things will change over time. I don't think that this is going to be this stagnant state of affairs for the whole but I think there are too many teams that are close enough to each other now. It's going to be more interesting. And for now, I'm going to ride the wave, man. Fnatic looks good. G2 is going to be coming back from a break. They might be a little rusty. I like Fnatic here. But I think three maps is the better way to go. I think that almost certainly happens. A G2 2-0, by the way, is a plus 135. Stop Just it. If you're, if, you're, if you're feeling peckish about that. S stop uh, it. You guys should follow the wave with us, too, though. We went 3-0 in Europe last week, which, uh, which rounded up a nice little profit of plus 390. We are 390 in the black in Europe right now. I think that's pretty fantastic considering we ended in the red at the end of last split. And for our smart money bets this week, we have Misfits versus NIP to go three maps at plus 120, uh, G2 versus Fnatic to go three maps at plus 110, or as the bandwagoner Chase said with his stamp of approval, you could take Fnatic at plus 175. And then our final one is UOL over H2K at minus 129. That's been a podcast. That's been our week two podcast. We've already done one week. Now we have nine weeks left, which is if NA had started today, then they would be even, and there would be nine total weeks of the season left. But there's not. There's going to be one off week where we have to only do Europe. I'm never going to, I'm never going to let that down. I'm never, ever going to let it down. It bothers me. To my core. You're saying you're never going to give it up? You're never, never going to let it down? I'm never going to let it down. You're going to watch as Europe runs around and deserts common sense by having two five-team groups, which makes no sense. For the record, we're excited we're expanding 12 teams next split. I think six-team groups make a lot more sense. I like that. That's very much like the LPL style. That gets us much closer to the 18 games that we expect elsewhere. I'm, I'm excited by this. That's going to be nice. Wait, did right I miss now? this news? Yeah, did you not see the LCS updates? That's when they announced that franchising's happening in NA. Oh, see, I hadn't read the European article yet. Oh, wow, was, okay, cool. It was a whole right. three sentences long. Oh, they, okay. They, they, spent five, they spent about as much time on that as they spent on the Origin uh, team announcement that came out this week. They were about equal, equal amounts of effort. Now I gotta go read it because I gotta figure out if any of these teams are gonna be relegated. <laughs> but while I go do that, you guys can come follow us on Twitter. You can follow the podcast at Rough Drafts Pod. You can find me at under uh, at C80s underscore LOL. Chase, where can the good folks at home find you? You can find me at Redshirt King. I love talking to you guys. I would love to keep these conversations going. I'm gonna try to do a better job this week of responding to all the comments. My life's been pretty crazy right now, but hopefully. That might turn around soon. So stay tuned. And, um, and also, don't forget, I write articles for Unicorn.com. We'll put this in the description. I wrote an entire long-form piece on the history of G2, the twists and turns, and why they've struggled to make an impact. I think you guys are really going to like it. So please do check that out. And if you like it, share it with your friends. Um, you know, It really helps when you uh, support those kind of pieces, and I, I appreciate it. And I there will be one coming up. Not on the day that we're that we're recording this, but on Thursday, I'm going to have one breaking down the five big observations that really stuck with me across the LCS in both Europe and North America. So stay tuned for that as well. Absolutely, Chase. That, that G2 piece was actually really good. 
I really enjoyed it quite a bit as a as a you know old school League of Legends history kind of buff. I remember what Rain Man played. Oh man, Ocelot's so great. I was that person that in the middle of the recording was like, "What was the last time a Kali was played?" Like and look, esports wikis. Let me look this up. <laughs> so it was it was a look. really really good piece if you sort of want to read more into the history of Ocelot and the in the G two esports brand. Absolutely. How can you not love a guy that ends a public statement by saying, "I have to go. The Wi-Fi on my yacht is overheating." Like, come on. I love it. Shout out to you, Ocelot. Could only be outdone if Rick Fox hires us and we get to do the podcast live from the Rick Fox uh, Echo Fox Jet. Which reminds me, uh, we have an edit podcast that is coming out tomorrow. And if you want to hear our thoughts about week one and of week two of the North American LCS, well, (laughs) if your name begins with an S and ends with Eve Aronset, you won't want to miss it. So come back tomorrow for North America. And I think we might have a Wonder Woman podcast coming up sometime this week if Chase oh, yeah. goes and watches it tonight. So come back for all of that stuff on the YouTubes, on the SoundClouds. Pay attention to the Twitter. And until next time, goodbye, Internet. You can follow the Rough Dress podcast on all your favorite social media sites. Twitter at Rough Drafts Pod, Facebook.com backslash Rough Drafts Pod, SoundCloud.com backslash Esports Rough Drafts, YouTube.com backslash Rough Drafts Podcast, as well as on iTunes by searching for the Rough Drafts Podcast. The Rough Drafts Podcast is supported by our lovely Patreons at Patreon.com backslash Rough Drafts Pod. And by viewers like you. Thanks for listening, and goodbye, Internet.